Same as uh, the last episode, we are on track to a thousand. I mean, we literally recorded the last episode in this episode in the same day. So I don't know where we'll be a week from now. Yeah, um, you guys have promised I don't wear the same to... outfit every day, you know. <laughs> and if you know what you do, if you do, I bet you watched it because you're out of a depressive episode today and I'm proud of you. <laughs> you did. <laughs> yes, I am pulling myself out, people. We're working on it. We're getting there. This helped a lot. So, you know, oh, okay. getting to do this is always a highlight just as I know you say the same so me too um hopefully we hit a thousand we I'm sorry we will hit a thousand downloads by the end of the year I'm gonna manifest it so keep track of us on Instagram that's where the countdown is um it's fun to do and if it's annoying to you then chip in and the sooner it's over the sooner it's over but um, (laughs) the sooner we won't stop like continuously sharing it that's been the same voice since they had added the record feature to zoom if that's always been the same voice yeah <laughs> i don't know you can't change it to something else because that'd be hilarious just sponsor have siri sponsor it yeah <laughs> i don't know like i would imagine like what kind of voice do we have for that if it weren't that voice i don't know i don't I know think something really funny though Well, hello. Well, hello. Hello. Um, oh my God, I know it's only, we've only been talking for two hours, so it's great, which feels like we've been talking a lot more because I feel like we've talked about a bunch that's only been like two hours. So here we are. Yeah, we are. Um, sorry, continue. I said, no? here we are. Okay. Here we are. So I am very excited for this week's episode because all the pieces fell into place. And I told John's John's friend, his daughter, um, her birthday is on Sunday. And I and I told him this, I was like, do you want to share us a birthday with the serial killer? <laughs> he's like, he's like, okay. And I was like, I don't know if you're gonna tell her that or not, but just so you know, she does. Um and I am very excited for this one just because. I did when I did my serial killer course in college, this, this person was my final paper, very famous. And, um, I know people get really angry when you're like, Oh, you're, who's your favorite serial killer? Because we shouldn't celebrate the serial killers. And I understand that that's not the purpose, but this one, I guess will be my, I'm most intrigued by this person because it's what, really it's just the way that they relay what they did and all of the impact that they had on society afterwards so do you want to take a guess at who i'm covering today Hmm. i have no idea other than the little clues that you told me well, so, I mean, when this episode comes out, it will be on <clears throat> this person's birthday and John's friend's kid's birthday. Uh, I'm covering the co-ed killer, AKA Edmund Kemper. So Ooh. that's who I am covering this week. I'm very excited too, which is why we sw- swapped. So mm-hmm. you guys got two of me back to back and then you'll get two of Shannon back to back. So it'll be amazing. So um, if you hadn't guessed, Ed Kemper was born 
December 18th, 1948. Um, he is a Sagittarius because we are still in Sagittarius season and the year of the rat for our Chinese Zodiac fans. Um, he was born in Burbank, California to Clarnell Stage, which would be her final married name. Um, that wasn't her name when she obviously married uh, his dad. And Edmund Emil Kemper Jr., he went by EE, so that's how we'll refer to his father because um, Edmund Kemper is the third. Um, we're just going to call him Ed. Um, both of his parents were very tall. I mean, if anyone knows about Ed Kemper, he's a very tall guy, but both of his parents were actually very tall. His mom was six feet tall. His dad was six foot eight. Um, and then he would like clock six foot nine and he was roughly 300 pounds. So he was a large man, um, even at a very young age. I think when he was like 15, he was like six foot four. So he was very tall. I mean, like, that's how my nephew is like Keegan is like. 14 and he's six foot or taller already. Like he's just been a, he's been a large kid since he was born. Don't know where he got it. Cause it was definitely not my mom's side of the family. Um, <clears throat> he was also very intelligent. He had an IQ of 145 when he was tested. That was considered genius level. I mean, the average human is known to have an IQ of around 100 and the IQ that he had put him in like the top 2% of the population. So he was technically notified as genius. Now, minority self also knows that IQ tests are very skewed towards patriarchal white men, and they're actually very not logical and they're, they really are outdated and they haven't been updated in a very long time, but we're not going to hop on that bandwagon, but I'm very well aware of how stupid IQ tests uh, really are. So just uh, out of the way, he is known to have murdered 10 people. Um, six of them were co-eds, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> six of them were co-eds, two were his grandparents, and then the other two was his mother and her best friend. <clears throat> so starting off, um, I mean, his method of killing was he shot some people, he stabbed some people, but ultimately, um, his, I guess his notable thing is he would decapitate his victims so that was a huge thing and we're going to jump right into his his childhood so like I said he was born in 1948 so we have to remember the time um that we're in so he had a terrible relationship with his mom I am I mean I do believe nature and nurture have a huge impact in when uh, how people turn out the way that they do. I completely believe that Ed Kemper's mom is what pushed him down the road that he went down. I really think that if she wasn't a terrible person, he probably wouldn't have turned out the way that he turned out. Like the stuff that she did to him, um, it's just, it's, it, to me, it, lots of times when you talk about serial killers in their childhood, there's like little things here and there, but his is just to me so black and white and argue with me all you want. I don't give a shit. I just really believe that his mom had, she was the driving force behind what happened. Because if you know the story of Ed Kemper, after he murders his mom, he turns himself in like, mm-hmm. there you go. He completed what he needed to complete. I mean, he killed her best friend right after he killed his mom, but then Ultimately, he turned himself in. But anyway, so he had a really bad relationship with his mom. Clarnell didn't have the easiest upbringing either. Um, 
And she just had a general hatred for men. She was a very authoritative woman. She ran her house with like an iron fist. Um, she would chastise EE all the time. And she would get angry with him and yell at him if he showed Ed any kind of affection because he was trying to be a good dad and loved his son. Um, because she was convinced that if you showed him affection, he would turn out gay. Uh, newsflash, that's not how that works. <laughs> no, no, not on, not on the slightest. Sheesh. Yeah. So if he showed his son any kind of affection, she would fly into a rage. He would watch her berate him and belittle him and talk down to him um, all the time. She would like dismiss like his line of work. He was a very well-established electrician. And before he was an electrician, um, his dad was a World War II vet where he tested atomic bombs. Like he had a very, I would say, notable and respectable career path his entire life. Like he tested atomic bombs in World War II and he went on like he was a part of like suicide missions. So he was a part of this like suicide crew, which is actually how he met Clarnell. She was a nurse and he was a part of this. Um, I can't remember the national name, just like a suicide group or gang or brigade, whatever. And part of that was like, you weren't allowed to have families or marriages or anything like that, because you may die on this knowing full well, it's highly possible. So the less baggage is the better. And he met Clarnell on one of those missions and they hid their relationship in secret until he was done with that. So he's doing suicide missions by choice. He's testing atomic bombs in World War II. And then he has a very, he's a very intelligent man, becomes an electrician. And she would just like talk shit to him about that and like put that profession down. And I'm like, okay. I mean, they would go on to divorce and he remarries. And in an interview, he actually tells them like, Where's the quote? I have it. He says, and they quote, suicide missions in wartime and the later atomic bomb testings were nothing compared to living with her. That's how he describes his marriage to her. <laughs> Jeez. What a woman. Yeah. What a woman. So that's how tumultuous their marriage was. And he was watching all of this take place. And so Ed also had an older sister and a younger sister. He was right in the middle. His older sister was like five years older than him. They didn't really have much of a relationship. I mean, he did say like she was doing her own thing. I did my own thing, but he did have a relationship with his younger sister. Um, and when he turned roughly 10 years old, some sources said eight, he didn't really specify, um, she made him go stay in the basement. So parents divorced. I did say they won't, but 1957, when Ed was nine, his parents divorced and his dad moved. Um, his dad stayed in California and then him and his mom and his sisters moved to Montana, I believe. It's either Minnesota or Montana, but I have it noted somewhere. And she obviously, she got custody of him, um, and makes him stay in the basement because she believed that he was dangerous. Like she was convinced that he was going to harm her or his siblings um, in either a dangerous or deviant way, even though up to this point, he had done nothing to show that like he had shown no signs of like 
wanting to physically or sexually harm anybody in the house, but because of her, you would think because of her deep hatred for men and the hatred for her now ex-husband, she's totally projecting onto Ed because he's also, he looked a lot like his dad. And so she puts him in the basement um, and he stayed there for six months. And he has a really, I would say like a famous quote, like one, in one of his interviews, he says, um, I had to go down to the basement, an eight-year-old child, he was eight, there we go. An eight-year-old child had a hard time differentiating the reason for that. Why am I going to the basement? I'm going to hell, they're going to heaven. Earth is the living room. I'm going down to deal with demons and monsters and ghosts and all the things that scare me, they don't have to. So that's kind of where his headspace was at. And so he's starting to associate beings and places and people with things. And he's starting to classify himself as like being bad and hell and a demon while they're seen as like saint-like, right? Mm -hmm. Um, His sisters had a totally different impression of their mother. They said she was a really good mom and that she loved them. And I was like, that should show a very clear divide between how she treats her daughters and how she treated her son and just men in general, right? Mm -hmm. They would, they would go on to say later, I mean, Clarnell obviously dies. um, And they believe that she had, um, it was possible that she had um, bipolar uh, disorder. Nothing was ever diagnosed, but just based on, I mean, a bunch of stuff about Clarnell comes from Ed. So they're like, we have to take that into account. But based off of what he said and what his dad said, and then, you know, it's totally opposite to what their sisters say. Like, like it's possible there's some, there's obviously mental illness going on there as well. Um, so he is in the basement. His, um, mom would tell him he had to keep the door shut because she didn't like the cold air coming in from the basement and how he described this basement is like, you know, the cliche was like rickety old stairs. There's like one string light at the very bottom or top. I can't remember. I think it was the light flickers when you turn it on. Yeah. It was like a little string bulb. So he, yeah, he said he would have to get to the bottom of the stairs, turn on this little light and then run to the opposite side of the basement. And, um, there was like another light above like the sink. Cause that's like, you know, where you'd wash clothes and stuff. There's like one of those sinks and he would have to run along. Cause he's like, okay, so I would have to turn the light on, see that light. Then I would have to run over there, turn that light on, run back, turn this light off because he was scared to be in the dark. And cause uh-huh. his bed was also on the opposite side of the room. So it was like this really weird, like back and forth. And he would just have to like be there by himself. Um, and he's starting to get to this age of puberty starting to kick in. He's starting to have, you know, thoughts about sexuality and women and, He's receding into this little fantasy world of his, and he talks about it a little bit. He talks about how it kind of started out. um, I think he said he got a reference from a book and I can't remember the book, but he talks about how he would recede into this fantasy world. And at first he's like, um, you know, there was people and I could interact with people and then they became inanimate. So they were just kind of like there. And he's like, and then it became like select people. So it's, Uh, dwindling down from more like 
interacting to interacting with mannequins, basically, to eventually interacting with no one. And he's like, I wondered what it would be like if I was the last person alive and I was the only person left on the planet. Like I could do whatever I want. No one tell me what to do, which is a very common thought in teenagers when, you know, when your parents are like, you can't do that. Um, Mm -hmm. So his thoughts are starting to get darker. He's starting to recede more into his imagination. And at some point he develops a crush on his teacher. Um, he had this teacher. She was very pretty. We can all think of a teacher we thought was attractive. Um, and his little sister found out and she like made a joke. She's like, oh, well, you should just, you should just go up and kiss her or like whatever. It's like just joking with him. And he said, um, I have the quote, where is it? Oh, he said, end of quote, if I wanted to kiss her, I'd have to kill her first. So he said that was the first time he, his sister had kind of clocked. That was like an, an, a weird thing to say, but that's showing at a point in his life, he's between 13 and he's in puberty area. And he's already decided that the only way for a woman to have any intimate contact with him is if she was dead, like she, no willing living person would actually want to invest in him. And is that really that surprising? Like his entire life, his mom's told him that he's ugly, that he's not worthy of love. She doesn't give him any love. He get he watches his dad get yelled at if he is shown affection. So why in any way would he think that he deserves it? Right. Right. Um, him and his little sister also had games. I kind of like jumped around a little bit, but when they were younger, they had games and it was like him, her, and then a friend of theirs. And they would play games called gas chamber and electric chair. And if you're wondering what those are, I'll tell you. So (laughs) gas chamber is kind of inspired by, well, it is inspired by this guy named Carl Chessman. Um, He's on my list to cover at some point, but he was executed and he was executed by gas chamber. And Ed was always intrigued by that. So they created this game where, and the two kind of like are intertwined. So the games are basically, one was um, tying him to a chair and throwing things at him. And he would pretend to be like electrified and die basically. And then the other game was they would wrap each other up in either like a rug or a blanket and you would have to try to like fight your way out and that was like the gas chamber one and you would like be pretending to be like suffocated yeah oh. yeah so that's, those are what they played this kid. <laughs> yeah um one second i need to check my headphones because you are very glitchy <laughs> seeing multiple different posts about it so yep oh and if you want to find us we're on instagram and twitter at takatv podcast you can email us at takatv podcast at gmail.com check out our website take a killer to brunch.com you can find us on facebook at take a killer to brunch and i think that's that's it right yeah got yeah. it and you know we'll, we might we'll have work. to copy paste that to mine because we totally forgot to do it last time it's all right and if you can't i got you okay <laughs> All right. Well, cheers. Since I forgot the last time we recorded. Cheers with my little polar bear pup. See you guys next week. Bye.